0: Well, I'm wearing my shades (laughs) so that you guys don't see the shock in my eyes. Director of public relations, or a 290 is available only at the 250. There's no other. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 887 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor, sports Sports columnist, sports writer. And uh, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers. Loyola for the student news there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know, Kenny, I think... Uh, All of us are putting our shades on to hide our surprise as well. That clip was actually from when the White Sox missed out on Manny Machado in free agency. Kenny Williams met with the media, and the first thing he said was, I'm wearing my shade so you guys don't see the shock in my eyes. And I think a lot of us in Chicago and even around the country had shock in our eyes when the White Sox hired Tony La Russa as their manager this week. I'm going to dive into all of that. I want to welcome you in to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM, WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon. Talking Chicago sports, usually be up to kickoff for the Bears game. Bears play at 325 today. And after I talk about Tony LaRussa, and there's a lot to break down here, both good and bad, there's a lot of Bears I want to talk about too because it has been six days since the Bears last played a game, and I'm still plenty hot. If I didn't have to work the next day at the golf course, I probably would have come up here and recorded an emergency podcast just venting about that Bears game because that was an embarrassment and an indictment on the plate calling. But, you know, plate calling is not the issue, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Got so much to talk about, and those are the only two topics I'm talking about today are Bears and White Sox. I might get to a little college football, but that's because I'm going to tie in some of the games yesterday, and there were some pretty good games yesterday in college football. I might tie them into the Bears' situation. But to lead off the show, I obviously have to talk about the White Sox' new manager. Well, I, I, do we call Tony La Russa the White Sox' new manager? The return of Tony La Russa to the south side? The, I, I, don't, I don't know the correct verbiage. I'm, the, Tony La Russa's back is what I'm trying to say. He's back as the manager after a flawed search and people were lighting up Sox social media and Sox Twitter went nuts and I just can't believe they did it. I remember being in this seat a few weeks ago when Bob Nightingale first reported this was a possibility and laughing about it. I just didn't think they'd do it. And lo and behold, Thursday at 1 o'clock, it gets announced that the White Sox hired Tony La Russa back as manager. And then, Friday, the Tigers announce A.J. Hinch as manager, and A.J. Hinch says the White Sox didn't interview him. Sports radio has been absolutely insane this week. Between the Bears' blowout loss to the Rams last week and the Tony La Russa scuttle, everyone's quick to say that this is a really bad hire. I mean, you read through the replies to the tweet that the White Sox sent out announcing Tony La Russa, and people are just livid about this. The guy's 76 years old. He hasn't managed since 2011. And that year, he won a World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know how to feel about this. I've been trying to think about it all week, and... When I work at the golf course, I deal with a lot of Sox fans. And the general consensus, salute, is no one's really sure how to feel about it. I know guys are quick to jump on, oh, this is a bad idea, this is a bad idea. But after talking through, they, they're thinking, okay, you know what, maybe have an open mind. But definitely not the ideal hire. And, I mean, I was talking to a couple friends of mine, and A.J. Hinch would have been the best manager available, and that's tough to say just because of the garbage can cheating scandal. I would consider Tony La Russa the best baseball mind today, the best living baseball mind is Tony La Russa. The only one that the the only other one I'd say is Joe Torre, and those those two would be neck and neck for the top spot. But Joe Torre is not leaving Major League Baseball. He's not leaving the front the. What, how do you put it, the league office side, the front office side, whatever? He's not managing anymore. So it's Joe Torrey and Tony La Russa, And I didn't think Tony LaRussa would be back into the dugout ever. I didn't think he'd want to be. And uh, if you listen to his press conference, even he said he wasn't sure if he'd ever want to be. But here we are. He's in charge of a young team, an up and coming team. And people are talking about this. suck the fun out of the team. These guys. It's a good group. And the Sox are ruining it. With their manager. And. I didn't want to like it. Just because again. He's so old school. And the game is changing. But when it comes down to it. The guy's a Hall of Fame manager. And I still stand. I will stand by. He's the best baseball mind today. He's the best. Best one out there. And it's such a double-edged sword in a way. And I say that because, yes, he's an incredible mind. He knows the game inside and out. I trust his gut instinct more than anyone else's. I can guarantee you he would not pour Carlos Rodon in relief against Cleveland, and he would not have managed the bullpen like Ricky Renteria did. You're already a step up from Ricky Renteria. Say what you want about Tony La Russa. He's a winner. That's the big thing. He's a winner. And... Maybe it's writing old wrongs because Hawk Harrelson fired Tony in 1986 from the White Sox, and Tony went on to manage the A's and become one of the best managers in baseball history. Maybe it's that. Actually, I think it is that. And if you, I listened to the entire press conference on Thursday. So the timeline of events here. Announcement comes Thursday, 1 o'clock. Sox are higher in La Russa. It was a 2.30 press conference. I'm working at the golf course on Thursday. And on slow days, I put my headphones in. I've got, I've got the radio in my ears. And I was listening to Lawrence Holmes when the announcement came out. And He's having guys from around town come on. Well, then I had to go do some other stuff around the course. I didn't leave until 2. And my post-work ritual is I go to Dunkin' and get a coffee. Because I need caffeine. I was getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning last week. I need caffeine when I get there, caffeine when I leave. And I'm at the line of Duncan was long enough to where I could catch the start of the press conference on the radio. And you listen to Rick Hahn talk about the manager search. And he even says, oh, this was a little different than I described it to you guys a few weeks ago. And it is believed that Tony's the manager to get us to the next level. Not Tony's the best manager to get us to the next level. It is believed that Tony is the best manager to get us to the next level. Which, if you read between the lines, which is a lot of fun to do, and that's what we get to do as journalists, Rick went full lawyer in this press conference, and it is believed. You read that as, okay, this isn't his guy. This is is without a doubt Jerry Reinsdorf's guy. Because Jerry and Tony are tight. And they have been ever since Hawk fired him. And I know Captain Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 had Hawk on the radio and asked why he fired Tony. And he said he's keeping that between him and Tony. And Tony joked about how when he, I don't know if any of you have been fired, but decimated my family. I say it tongue in cheek, but like it's true. They fired me. I, I don't know why he and Jerry stayed so close. I don't. And we haven't heard from Jerry through this whole thing, which is another thing I want to talk about just a little later here. But this is Jerry's guy, and Rick made that clear in the press conference. Now, we didn't hear from Kenny. We haven't heard from Kenny Williams about this. In the presser, it was Rick and Tony. And this is all over Zoom now because of COVID. But it was Rick and Tony. That's it. So this was Jerry's guy. And part of the backlash against this hiring was the -the off-the-field comments that Tony Lewis has made, and it goes back to Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and protesting injustices during the national anthem and bat flipping he he hasn't made a lot of friends in that regard and that's part of the reason people are having issues with the hiring and credit to james fegan of the athletic second question in the press conference thursday he asks tony about his comments and the answer was interesting it started i thought he started off on the right track when he's like a lot of things change over four years and I've changed over the last four years. And I appreciate that they're doing this as long as it's sincere, which don't let me finish what I'm saying here before I get to how many times he brought up the word sincere and he's going on as long as it's sincere. And I like that. They're trying to make a change. I appreciate they're trying to make a change. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a really good answer. He's doing well. And then he went total old white dude. And he went, you can ask any player who's played for me. He started listing off these black players that played for him. And he throws out, there's not a racist bone in my body. And I thought I was going to drive off the road. So I'm going, no, 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 you were doing so well. The train was on the tracks and he just totally derailed it with that. I mean, he went full old white dude. That's the best way to put it. Total old white dude. And I didn't like how he ended the answer. I mean, he, he was so... Close to getting through with, like, okay, I can, that answer's okay, to, okay, now we're back to square one. But the word of the press conference was sincere. I felt like I was watching or listening to an episode of Sesame Street. The word of the day is sincere. And I can't count how many times he used that word. And I do know, so as you've noticed if you listen to the show since we started doing remote, I've been messing with the opens a little bit and adding some fun clips at the beginning and the end. Well, Daryl Horowitz, who, my former co-host, he hosted the show before I did. And we co-hosted together. He texted me with a suggestion of what to put in the open just because of how many times Tony used the word sincere. And I'll be honest, I didn't get the reference. <laughs> I mean, I that's, part, that's why I went with Kenny Williams. I didn't get the reference. And I, it's been a weird week and I didn't have time to look up the reference he was making. But it didn't go unnoticed that Oh, the, as long as they're taking a knee and they're sincere, as long as they're flipping the bat and they're sincere, as long as they mean it. And I'm just what? I don't I don't get it. And it go it just goes back to he went full old white dude on us. That's what happened. I have a lot of expert I have a lot of expertise in this subject <laughs> in how old white dudes talk given where I'm from. <laughs> I work at a bar. <laughs> They deal with a bunch of old white dudes. And to put this higher in perspective here, Tony La Russa first managed the White Sox in 1979. He was fired in 1986. And I do know, so let's see, it's what, 11-13 right now. Once I go in after the show, I know my dad's going to kill me for saying this, but my dad graduated high school in 1984. And Tony La Russa was the manager of the White Sox. Now we're coming up on 2021. My sister is graduating high school in 2021. She's the youngest of the three kids. Who's the White Sox manager? Tony La Russa. That's, is that, you, you just got to laugh. Like I know Chris Kamka was saying that when he was, he, he and his wife just had a baby. Chris Kamka over NBC Sports. He said that when he was his kid's age, Tony LaRusso was the manager of the White Sox. And now here we are, same thing. The process to this whole thing, too. You heard Rick Hahn the day after the season say, I want a guy with recent October experience, someone who can get us to the next level, someone who can relate to this team. Basically, he was saying, we're going to get A.J. Hinch. Instead, Jerry steps in and says, no, I want Tony. I want, I want Tony to manage this team. I don't want to right all the wrongs with Tony. And it just seems like that was the guy. And then Nightingale's out here saying the second choice for this job was Bruce Bochy? Hang on a minute. Why are you going backwards? What? Okay. Yes, I know I keep saying, smartest guy in baseball right now is Tony La Russa. Sure, I can understand that. but your second choice is Bruce Bochy? Like, come on, Jerry. What are you trying to do here? And I, okay, I have a note from my dad who's listening saying it should be noted that the White Sox won the division that year in 1984, and he'll take that this year. Now, keep in mind, the White Sox should have won the division this year if Ricky Renteria wasn't making stupid decisions. My dad says, let's hope history repeats. So that's more perspective for you. Maybe they can win the division this year, and it's going to come full, full circle in my house. But anyway, back to the process here. Bruce Bochy was the second choice. <laughs> I would have never thought Bruce Bochy was a candidate for the manager's job. Okay, it was actually 1983, the White Sox won the division. I can't do math. I was a journalism major. But why is Bruce Bochy your second choice right now? Yes, he managed the Giants to those, what was it, three World Series? Was it two or three? Regardless, point stands. He managed the Giants during a really good run. Yes, it was three World Series, 10, 12, 14. And he retired, and you, you haven't heard much from him. At least Tony La Russa's still been in baseball. That's the other thing people are missing. He's been in the game, in the Diamondbacks' front office. He's been with the Angels this past year. He worked with Joe Madden this year. And he even said he learned a lot from Joe. It's not like Tony's been cut off from the game. I don't know. Is Bruce Bochy still in the game? If anyone knows, tweet me. Like, at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I'd take calls. Well, there's my my Siri just went off. (laughs) But I can't take calls because we're working remote. So tweet at me if Bruce Bochy's still been in the game and I just don't know it. But that's one thing people are missing. It's not like Tony's been cut off from the game of baseball. It's not like he's been watching from his couch. He's been working in the front office. And he even said in the press conference he didn't like being upstairs. And that's understandable. It's not for everybody. David Ross was upstairs and he's managing. Granted, David Ross is much younger than Tony La Russa, But it's the point that he's been in the game. Personally, I don't think this hire is as bad as people think you i can't i lost count of how many f words i saw on twitter about this it's not as bad as people think just given you you've got to look at the past year you got to look at what you're getting you've got a hall of fame manager you can't take that away from him he's in the hall of fame he's got the third most wins of all time he's probably going to come up on second all time he's got what 35 wins left to get or something like that You're not exactly getting Joe Schmoe off the street. You're getting an incredible baseball IQ here. That said, this is my catchphrase. This is exactly how I'm putting this to White Sox fans when they ask my opinion. It better work. This damn well better work. Because let me tell you, if the White Sox don't win a World Series, that's where I'm setting the bar here. If they don't win a World Series with Tony La Russa as manager, but A.J. Hinch goes to Detroit and wins the World Series with the Tigers, people are going to go nuts. It'd be one thing if they interviewed A.J. Hinch and thought, okay, maybe he's not the guy. They didn't even interview him. But someone needs to tell the graphic designer at the White Sox who sent out the email announcing Tony Russa's hiring with A.J. Hinch's signature on the graphic. This better Work, And that's going to be my catchphrase for this decision. Another thing here, and I've, I'm kind of guilty of this as you've heard me the last 20 minutes talking about this. The amount of ageism I've heard the last few days on the radio. Oh, who's going to be the bench coach to poke him with a stick to keep him awake during games? Oh, our game's going to be at 4.30 so we can get the early bird special at dinner. Oh, his, he's so old, he's so old. He's, he's going to take a walker out to the mound. We're better than that. I mean, we're better than that. Again, it's not like you're getting some random manager. You're getting Tony Freaking Larusa here. You're talking baseball royalty. Yes, I talk about the off-the-field stuff and the comments he's made about bat flips and the protests and everything. And I know the 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 game has changed in the last ten years. That's another key. That's another key point here. The game is way different now than it was in 2021. Jose Bautista didn't flip that bat until, what, 2015? Was it 2014 or 2015 when Jose Bautista had the big bat flip? That was a turning point in baseball when he flipped that bat and pimped that home run. You see that all the time now. The game has changed. And as you saw with the Tampa Bay race in the World Series – which this is the first show I've had since the World Series ended, so I haven't been able to talk about Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snell after he gave up two hits, and he was cruising in Game 6. Tony LaRusso doesn't make that decision. He sticks with his guy. So would you rather have Kevin Cash, who does everything by analytics, or would you rather have Tony LaRusso who's going to go with his gut and make good decisions? I'm taking La Russa. And that's again, I'm old school with baseball, and I'm not old school to the point where like, I hate bat flips. Trust me, I love a good bat flip. Wilson Contreras, when he threw it up so high that you saw it on camera during the last series of the regular season, I love that. I even tweeted, inject this into my veins. Baseball is more fun that way. Let the players express themselves like that. I love it. But I'm also old school in that I love a good sacrifice bunt. And I love a suicide squeeze. and I love small ball. Hit and runs. Hit and runs, hits and run, Whatever. That's how I like the game of baseball to be played. That's where, that's where Tony will come from. He's going to be old school in that regard, I feel like. Should he be too old school? Well, with the way the game is, you can't overdo it. I know by the book, you get a runner on first, you want to bump over to second to get him in scoring position, but the game has changed to the point where you don't have to do that every time. You can trust your guys to get the run in, to put one in the gap, to put one over the fence. And I don't think he's that bad. I mean, if you think about it, he's been one of the more innovative managers in his time. I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but has anyone before Tony La Russa batted a pitcher eighth? Granted, that's not happening anymore because of the designated hitters across the league, which don't get me started on that one right now. But I want to say Tony was the first one to consistently bat a pitcher eighth. And he used analytics early on. Like, before people were using the mainstream. That said, you're talking about a cheater in A.J. Hinch. Tony Russa is not exactly exempt from cheating either because he managed, let's see, he managed the Oakland A's in the late 80s. Who was on the Oakland A's in the late 80s? Oh, yeah, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. Also known as a couple alleged steroid users. I want to say Canseco. McGuire's admitted to it. I don't know if Canseco has but not exactly an innocent team there. On the other side of the coin, he managed Ricky Henderson, who I people have called him on Twitter, and I agree with it, the swaggiest guy in baseball history. I mean, you talk about a personality, Ricky Henderson. Oh, man, he, he could talk the talk, he could walk the walk, too. So he's used to handling personalities. Look, this isn't a perfect hire. It's not. I honestly don't think there would have been a perfect hire because I was not the only perfect hire would have been Sandy Alomar Jr. and I don't think he's leaving Cleveland. So your your options were basically AJ Hinch cheating scandal with the Astros, Alex Cora cheating scandal with the Red Sox and the Astros. He was one of the ringleaders in Houston, don't forget that. Or you could try and get Sandy Alomar Jr. but you're not going to get him out of Cleveland. So at that point, you've got to get creative. Okay, do you go with a young guy who's never managed before? I cannot, for the life of me, remember the A manager for the White Sox now who they see as a rising star? you take a chance on a guy like that? Do you take a chance on an A.J. Pruszynski who's never managed ever? Or do you go with the Hall of Famer who's a buddy of the GM? Or of the GM. No, not a buddy of the GM. A buddy of the owner. That's where you got to look at it if you're White Sox fans. Now, granted... I'm a Cubs fan through and through. I, if I got to pick a team, I'm picking the Cubs. But I follow the White Sox. I respect the hell out of the White Sox, and I want the White Sox to do well. This isn't that bad of a hire. People think the world is ending with this hire. It's not. You've got a Hall of Famer in the dugout now. Now, the team—they just, just got a vibe. Tony and the players—they got they got a they vibe. They've got to connect. And I think he can do it. I I wholeheartedly do. The guy wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame if he couldn't manage anybody. I mean, he managed in the 70s. 79, he was hired with with the White Sox. So, 79, he was hired. Let me start that over. He's worked in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, briefly. So, briefly in the 70s, briefly in the 2010s. Now he's into the 2020s. He's evolved with the game over that time. Yes, he had 10 years off. Yes, I'm not sure how he's going to handle the 162-game season, assuming the season gets back to normal with COVID and everything. But I'm looking at it as if they're going to have a full season. I don't know how he's going to handle everything. Could he? Absolutely. But I go back to my point. It better work. Was the process flawed in hiring him? Yes. Should they have interviewed A.J. Hinch? Yes, absolutely. I'm surprised White Sox Twitter didn't go berserk when the tweet went around that A.J. Hinch said, and I quote, the White Sox never interviewed me. Or I never interview with the White Sox. I'm telling you, if A.J. Hinch wins a World Series in Detroit and the White Sox don't win one with Tony La Russa, Jerry better have his phone nearby because that thing's going to be ringing like crazy. I I did love Steve Stone on Twitter, though, when he said that he won't be the oldest guy on the plane anymore. That cracked me up. And then another guy tweeted, so this, the way this went down, Wednesday night, Dan Roan tweeted that the White Sox are going to be making some kind of announcement. And it was exactly what and who you think it is. And someone tweeted at Steve Stone that, I'd kill myself if the White Sox hired Tony La And Stoney replied back, hope you have a will. We do not deserve Steve Stone on Twitter. He is an amazing follow. But I don't know, man. It it is better work. Because if it doesn't, this is Jerry. This isn't Rick Hahn. This isn't Kenny Williams. This is Jerry. And one of my first thoughts, and... Did I, did I hear someone call into the radio asking this or what? I know I, I've been thinking about it, too. you look at the Bulls. Jerry owns the Bulls, too. In case you didn't know that. I'm, ho- I'm hoping you did know that, but let's say you didn't. Jerry also owns the Bulls. The Bulls knocked everything down this year, went out and got Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, and hired an up-and-coming, not really an up-and-coming coach anymore, a really good coach in Billy Donovan. A Jerry Reinsdorf-owned team. Here's the difference. Jerry's son, Michael, runs the day-to-day operations of the Bulls. The Bulls are Michael's team. The Sox are Jerry's team. And if this week didn't prove anything, that's exactly what it showed us. Jerry made a move that showed, I'm still in charge here. He's, what, 85, 86? I know he's in his 80s. He's basically saying, this is still my team. And he made that perfectly clear this week. And that's why, if I'm Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams, <laughs> I'm having a conversation with Jerry going, if this doesn't work, I'm shif- I'm shifting blame to you. This is on Jerry. This is, I thought Rick Hahn and, and Kenny Williams did a great job with this rebuild. And then Rick can make his hire. He can leave his mark on this rebuild. He can show that they're done with this rebuild they're ready to compete now and they're ready to go all they need is a really good manager and Jerry steps in and goes nope we're hiring my guy I can understand why Rick Hahn would be pretty irate and Daryl chimes in on Twitter Uh, into my direct messages if you want to chime in on the conversation shoot me a tweet or a DM my DMs are open At Nick Schultz underscore seven. So Daryl writes in, Bruce Bochy, perfect hire. He supposedly wants to manage again. No baggage, three rings. Does he want to manage again? I've never heard that from anywhere. And again, I go back to, has he been in the game at all since he retired? Like, I mean, Tony's been upstairs. He's seen the game the last few years. He's seen the game evolve from upstairs the last few years. Is Bruce Bochy in baseball at all? That's what I want to know. So I, I don't know if I'd have taken Bruce Bochy as a quote-unquote perfect hire. I think you'd have had a similar reaction. Actually, no, the reaction would have been better because, like Daryl said, there's no baggage there, quote-unquote. He didn't... Bruce Bochy hasn't said anything like Tony said about... I mean, Tony's been pretty critical of the protests and the bat flips and everything. Bruce Bochy's kind of stayed away from it. But I just... I don't, I don't know, man. That'd be kind of a reach... I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM with Nick Schultz for another half hour. Talking White Sox, we've got some bears coming up here, but just talking about the White Sox. Again, do I call him a new manager? Old new manager, new old manager? Like Either way, Tony LaRusso's back with the White Sox. That's what we're talking about right now here on WLUW. I've heard comparisons to when Lou Pinella came to the Cubs in 2007 I dug a little bit deeper so Piniella and the Rays had their divorce in 2005 Lou came to the Cubs in 2007 so two years off the game didn't change that much Tony retired in 2011 and is back in 2021 and I've already told you how the game's changed over the last 10 years 2001 to 2011 Game didn't change that much, at least compared to how it has now. It was a pretty similar game in 2011 than it was in 2001. Now you've got the bat flips and players expressing themselves, and it's a completely different landscape now. And that's why I, I just my buzzwords it's three words it better work. Because, man, if it doesn't, if it doesn't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, re- like, I really don't, I don't even have a clue what would happen if this doesn't work. Because that roster is ultra talented. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I think if Rick ha- or Con- if Ricky Renteria could have even had a clue of how to manage a bullpen, this team would have been a contender for Pennant this past year. You've got a proven winner here in Tony Larusa, And you know whose endorsement got me thinking this is a better hire than we think? Paul Canerco. Danny Parkins had Paul Canerco on the score on Friday. And Paulie even said he likes the hire because Tony's a winner. Everything he does is about winning. That's the endorsement that White Sox fans needed to hear. Paulie likes him. When Paul Canerco speaks, everybody should listen. Because Paulie doesn't talk that much. You don't hear much from Paul Canerico. He kind of, he's in the shadows. He's kind of just watching from afar. He even says he's spending spent time with his family. Paul Canerico likes this hire. I think that carries some water. Okay, I think I've done enough on the White Sox. This is not the last time we will talk about this. I can tell you right now. Because the offseason is in full swing. Now that the World Series is over. So now, the Sox have a manager. Now he's got to fill out a staff. This is not the last time we'll talk about Tony La Russa being the manager of the White Sox. I can promise you that. Because this just added a bunch of storylines to this offseason. And going back to the World Series for just a second. this This is how fired up I was about the Sox team managers. I didn't even get to talk about how stupid... Justin Turner was the other day. So, watching the World Series, Justin Turner's playing. He's struggling. And in the, what was it, the seventh inning, eighth inning, he's pulled from the game. And everyone's wondering, wait, what's going on? Is he hurt? What's going on there? He didn't show any signs of being hurt. Game ends. After Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell and the Rays blew the game. And it's plain and simple. The, The Rays blew the game i'm watching the game on fox and kevin burkhart comes on the tv after the game and says the reason justin turner was pulled is because he tested positive for covid during the game his test was inconclusive and then he tested positive The team found out during the game that's why he was pulled So everyone's freaking out, like, okay, he's been in the dugout with the guys. Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor, like, what does this mean? Rob Manfred obviously sidestepped it because he's Rob Manfred, and he's getting really good at the sidestep. And then later on, tweets come out that Justin Turner's on the field, celebrating with the team. Should have been isolating, no. Well, there he was out there and then during the team picture pulled his mask down and the analogy my dad made, I I don't know if he saw this anywhere but it was a good analogy. If I go to the bar and I have a few too many drinks and drive home and get home safe, it was an incredibly stupid decision. I really shouldn't have done it. But no one got hurt. I'm not advocating for drunk driving here. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Do not drink and drive. Like, Let me just, I want to throw that disclaimer out there, but listen to the analogy. Justin Turner tested positive during the game, so he exposed all his teammates, and he went back out on the field to celebrate. Could everyone be okay? I guess, if they're masking up and everything, but he wasn't masking up the whole time, but could everyone be okay? I guess, he'd already exposed them, but it doesn't mean it's a smart decision to do it. He overpowered security to get out on the, or I guess overpowered quote unquote, basically told security, I'm not staying in here, I'm going out to celebrate. And now MLB is investigating it. I, I just wanted to address that and how stupid that decision was. Like, I didn't get a graduation this year because of COVID 19. I got a virtual graduation, but I didn't get to wear the cap and gown and have a ceremony and have a, have a full on graduation. I had to watch mine from my couch on my TV. Granted, I got to be with my family, and that's all I wanted. But I didn't get a college graduation this year. Yes, you won a World Series. Yes, that's once in a lifetime. That's usually, well, in most cases, a once in a lifetime event. You've got COVID 19, you gotta take it seriously, man. I'm just, I just want to get that off my chest, too. I want to move on to the Bears because I, I do know that Daryl chimed in with another uh, point about La Russa commented on the Tatis Grand Slam this year. That's true. Like, he was not a fan of Fernando Tatis's Grand Slam. And you can listen to the podcast with my thoughts on that. And he said, by the way, you can see during that press conference how upset Han was making the announcement. I read, body, I read body language from years of sales. That's about as negative as anything I ever witnessed. Yes, I was listening to it and I could tell he wasn't too happy about it. And I went back and watched a little bit. Yeah, he did not look happy to be making that decision. He went, I'm telling you, he went full lawyer on us there. Like Ray Khan's a lawyer and you could tell he's got lawyer in his blood. And he went full lawyer on us there in that press conference. Okay, let's talk Bears because I've got a little more than 20 minutes left and I still am angry about what happened last Monday. What the hell was that? The Bears basically got their butts handed to them. That's what happened. It was Monday night football, national stage. Everyone's doubting the Bears. Oh, worst 5-1 team I've ever seen. Worst 5-1 team in history. I'm on the radio saying 5-1 is 5-1. Don't focus on the negative too much. Take the money and run. Blah, 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 blah. And then they go out and do that? The defense outscored the offense. The final score was 24-10. I thought the defense played okay. But, God, the offense was bad. It looked downright incompetent out there. Nick Foles there throwing his hands up. And it... it I still don't know how to fully express it on the radio, because trust me, I've got the words for it, but I can't say it on the air, because that was just bad, downright bad. I turned it off. All year, I made it through a Bears game without turning it off. I turned it off after Nick Foles threw that second interception late in the game. There's so much to digest there. And even after almost a week, I still am just... Very angry about it. One of the big things, and this, I, I was going to drill this point home. Why in the world is Demetrius Harris still getting touches? Why are you still passing to him? Actually, I guess you can't even call him touch. He doesn't catch the damn ball. Why are you still targeting him? Why is he getting Nick or Cole Komet's targets? Cole Komet needs to get more action than Demetrius Harris. That's what needs to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Cole Komet needs to see more action than Demetrius Harris. Plain and simple. Why he's not, I have no idea. He was your top pick this year. Why are you going with Demetrius Harris? Because it's Matt Nagy's guy? I don't know. That's on the head coach. You know what else is on the head coach? Play calling. We've talked about this for a while. The play calling has not been good. I've kept it pretty much off Twitter about, oh, take play calling duties away from Matt Nagy immediately. I didn't want to overreact on Twitter and take the play calling away from Nagy. But that Cordero Patterson jet sweep on fourth and one last week, that got it, he lost, what, four yards? I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's it. I've seen enough. Why is he still calling plays? And then he's, he's out there saying, oh, the play calling's not an issue. That's a quote. That is a quote from Matt Nagy. They don't think the play calling is the issue. Excuse me, I've never played football a day in my life, and I could tell you the play calling's an issue. I golfed in high school. The only football I play anymore is two-hand touch. This is ego. At this point, he needs to get his ego out of the way. Let me put it to you this way: Bears, Falcons, Trubisky is—he's still starting at this point. Trubisky's starting. Has a bad game. Throws a couple picks, and he gets to to the point where, like, oh, crap, this could be really, really bad. So what does Nagy do? Pulls Trubisky, puts in Foles. And now Foles is the starter. It was the first sign this year that we were getting into the danger zone with Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, Foles came and saved the game, but hear me out. The first sign that Trubisky was hitting the emergency button, Nagy pulls him. Now, we're at the point where Matt Nagy's hitting the he's hitting the red button, the do not push, to break glass in case there's a, in case of emergency. And he's still calling plays. And he's out there saying, oh, the play calling's not an issue. What do you mean the play calling's not an issue? Yes, I know Nick Foles doesn't have a lot of time with the offensive line. Trust me, the offensive line is terrible. Blow it all up. Start fresh. Because if, if Foles had because Foles is rushing plays now. He's forcing plays with his arm because he can't run. That's why he didn't hit Darnell Mooney on that guaranteed touchdown because he didn't wait the extra second because he didn't think he had time. But the play calling has got to be better. And then Brian Greasy is out here on Monday Night Football saying, oh, well, Nick Foles told me that, you know, he, he's talking about the play calling, and I'm the guy out here getting hit in the play calling. I don't have enough time to get the playoff. First of all, if that was anyone but Brian Greasy, I'd ca- it'd, it'd carry a lot more water with me. Because if you recall, Brian Greasy took credit for a game-winning drive when Ron Turner called the plays, and Greasy tried to play, oh, well, the, the headset went out with my helmet, so I called the plays on that drive. And Ron Turner went, wait, what? No, I called the plays. So keep that in mind. I'm not saying he didn't have a point, though. Even if, I'm still not sure if full said it. Like, full disclosure, I'm not sure if he said it, but that has a point that the play calling is for a good offensive line, and the Bears don't have a good offensive line. And again, the, that, that showed on Monday just how bad that line is. You don't realize how little time Nick Foles has back there when he, until he's got one of his own guys in his face. So I'm not saying this is entirely on Nagy, because it's not. I mean, you got to block. Some of these plays will work. Actually, I think you could say most of these plays would work if they could just block. But at that point, you've got to make adjustments, as head coach. You've got to make adjustments, and he clearly doesn't do that. I think it's time Bill Lazor calls plays, or I don't know anybody else calls plays. To give you an idea, Andy Reed handed over play calling duties to Matt Nagy. Andy Reed put his ego out of the way and gave the play calling to Matt Nagy. It's not an easy decision, don't get me wrong. And I know Matt was brought in here because he's this young offensive mind and can make good things happen on offense. But at that point, you've got to set it, you got to set your pride aside and say, okay, I gotta do what's best for the team. Hey, Bill, you take the play calling now. Last week showed why people are worried about the bears. And again, I tried putting on the rose-colored glasses. I tried telling everyone. I felt like Kevin Bacon at Animal House going, remain calm, all is well. That's what I felt like. Or I felt like, what was Leslie Nielsen's character, The Naked Gun, going, nothing to see here as the house is burning behind him. Nothing to see here. Now, here we are. And I'm still angry. It's been six days. I'm still angry. And now the Bears got to play the Saints today. Granted, the Saints don't have Michael Thomas, so that helps things out a little more. But something's got to change. I don't know what it is. We tried thinking the quarterback was the problem. The quarterback was not the problem. Well, not the entire problem. Because Mitch can make plays with his legs, So now you've got Nick Foles who can't move. He's forcing plays with his arm, and that's why things aren't going well because he's forcing plays while the offensive line can't block, and Matt Nagy's calling plays, and they're not working, and he's out there in the press conference going, oh, the play calling's not the issue. I don't know what the issue is. Open your eyes, man. I can't imagine how I'd feel about this if I played any bit of football, whether it be Mighty Might football or high school varsity, whatever. Can you tell I've been holding this in for six days? Come on. Now the Bears are home underdogs. Again, I kept saying I think the Bears should have a little more respect in Las Vegas with the odds. Because, I mean, when they were six-point dogs to the Rams last week, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a one-point game. I even said on the air, I think it's going to be 17-16 either way. I think the Bears are gonna win. Nope, made me look like a fool. Maybe Vegas has a point. I promised myself I wouldn't overreact. But that loss last week was just downright embarrassing. There are no ifs ands buts about it. Downright embarrassing. They're five and two. That's great. I'm, I'm glad they're five and two. they've got a cushion, and Matt still says, "Oh, we've got a cushion. That's not the talk you want to hear. When you're five and two, you don't want to hear your coach say, "Well, we've got a cushion now. Do you not think you're going to win anymore?" Yes, you've got a tough game against the Saints today at home. but you got a cushion? Come on. No. Like we're five and two. Like we're going to be six and two. Confidence, at least exude the confidence. And also give up the play calling duties while you're at it. Thank you very much. 325 kickoff today. Bears and Saints. The weather in Chicago is 36 degrees with 25 mile an hour winds. This is bear weather, baby. This is bear weather. And I say that and I'm worried that the Saints are going to win. Because the Bears can't block. They wouldn't be able to block my high school football team. But they're playing the Saints today. At least Allen Robinson's back from a concussion, so there's a weapon on offense. Which, my man got a concussion last game, and there was no whistle, but the referee still saw that he had a concussion and pulled him out the field. I'm not one to, like, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm one to criticize the referees. I do it all the time. But man, the officiating last week was a joke. Why is Allen Robinson getting his head kicked in and there's no whistle? Like, that's just bad at that point. So he's back from concussion protocol. I don't know who's returning punts today, but it better not be Ted Ginn because I think he's allergic to a football. That Rams punter was – I mean, he was good. But it's easy to be a good punter when the punt returner is going, oh, hey, there's a ball. I'm going to go run the other way. If you've ever seen Varsity Blues, you you pick it up the – theme here with the movie references it's like Charlie Tweeter's character turned to Billy Bob going oh a ball I gotta catch it you gotta catch the ball in order to make a play you can't run away from it like Ted Ginn just doesn't have anymore that experiment's failed it's over you had to find somebody after Tariq Cohen got hurt Ted Ginn was not that guy now they brought another kick, a punt return what was I don't even remember his name that's how, much, that's how much there was going on this week. They signed a punt returner, and I don't remember his name. But let me tell you, it better not be Ted Ginn returning punts today. I don't think it will be. Because that was another big thing last week. Was I, I don't understand why you're running. He was physically running away from the football. I want to say all the punts were down inside the 20-yard line, and most of them inside like the 10 that can't happen. Absolutely not. And that's not I don't think that's I guess it's partially on coaching cuz they're the one putting them out there. But at that point you're putting the guy out there, he's got to make the damn play. I'm trying to find the tweet for that punt returner they signed. I can't find it. If someone knows the name, tweet me. I'm just I'm I'm ticked off. <laughs> and shout out to my Jonah my my guy Jonah for Saying this is an all-time rant. Thank you. I'm. Thanks for listening, buddy, and uh, thanks for indulging me. Cause I, again, this has been six days I've been holding this stuff in. I'm done. Now I'm not saying they're in Panama because they, frankly, they shouldn't beat the Saints today. Although, granted, with the weather forecast and the weather, yeah, it's bare weather. They should have the advantage. And the Saints are without Michael Thomas. That's a huge weapon and a huge advantage for the Bears that the Saints don't have their top wide receiver. Yes, they still got Alvin Kamara, which usually I'd say the key to the game is neutralize Alvin Kamara. (laughs) They're not going to neutralize him. He's going to run all over him. But if you can contain him even a little bit, you'll have a better chance. But, man, that old line's got to get so much better. (laughs) I still, you're not going to win a lot of games when your offensive line has Charles Leno and Jermaine Afedi. that was, the, the O-line had its worst game of the year last week, and it was just the bad time to have your worst game of the year. National TV, trying to get national recognition, trying to, trying to shut up the haters, et cetera, et cetera, and you go out and you do that. Now the Rams are in conversation for a Super Bowl because they walked all over you. Even though he keep saying, oh, the Bears' defense is good, but their offense, oh, man. The Bears' defense is borderline elite. And I say borderline because they're on the field so much that they get tired. The offense looks like a pee-wee football game. God, I hope they win today. I don't think they will, but I hope they win today. I mean, they're at home, which helps. They're not on the West Coast. The Bears never play well on the West Coast. I don't know if you've noticed, but they don't play well out West. They, the last few times they played the Rams out in California, it hasn't been good. That's not an excuse. Because, I mean, even Nagy said they went a day early this time. Even with COVID, they went a day early. And they still just could not put it together. Yeah, you're going up against Aaron Donald. Yes, Aaron Donald's best defensive player in the game today. No doubt. But you got to look sharper than that. At least, they didn't even look sharp. I don't know what they... It, it, they didn't even look like... It, they didn't look like a sharp pair of scissors. They didn't look like a dull pair. They looked like a pair of kid scissors out there. Couldn't do anything. Going through the motions. I don't know what the injury report's looking like today. Because with kickoff at 325, we're not getting the injury report until, uh, oh, what time would it be? Probably 2, 2.30. But I do know Alan Robinson's going to be back. Khalil Mack, is, he was limited in practice. He's questionable. And there were a couple more that were questionable, too. So here's the injury report, updated injury report. Now that Robinson's clear concussion protocol, he doesn't have a designation. So he's full he's full go. Eddie Jackson's questionable with a knee. He practiced in full on Friday. Khalil Mack is questionable with his ankle. And Cordero Patterson's questionable. He didn't practice Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Neither did Khalil Mack. And Cody White here's out, which just another part of the O-line going down. There's not There's not going to be a lot of blocking today because – Cody White here is one, probably the best one you got right now now that James Daniels is out. So the O-line takes another hit in more ways than one. But, yeah, Eddie Jackson, Kalil Mack, Cordero Patterson, questionable. Sherrod McMahon has practiced in full on Friday. He's questionable. I'm hoping he's full go because he's good on special teams. When they say questionable, they're going to play. They're not doubtful. Got to love the NFL, man. But four guys questionable, Allen Robinson's back. I don't think there's gonna be a lot of passing today because of the weather. But the Bears don't have a run game either, so this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be really fun. Are we gonna see more Cordero Patterson jet sweeps? Oh man, that's a scary thought. But again, 325 kickoff at Soldier Field. And after last week, I don't know if they can get any worse. If they do, there's going to be some serious conversations happening. Dwayne Harris. That's the punt returner's name. Dwayne Harris. Thank you, Pat Finley, sometimes some times for tweeting that out just now. Dwayne Harris should be returning punts today. Ted Ginn needs to be on the bench the entire time, maybe even off the roster. So they've upgraded there. Now upgrade the play calling and upgrade the O-line. The offensive line is not Matt Nagy's fault by any means. No, that's on Ryan Pace. That's on your GM because that's the O-line he's giving you. you got to play the hand you're dealt. He's being dealt a really crappy hand. That O-line is terrible. And that's, I'm putting it nicely. It is awful. That's on your GM for sure. And it's got to get better. I know the trade deadline. When, when, it, when is the trade deadline? Is it next week? Is it this week? Whenever. I know it's tough with COVID protocols. You trade for a guy. They got to quarantine for a few days. And there's all kinds of protocols. They basically have to miss the next game. But you got to do something. You've got to do something. You cannot just stand pat. If you want to make a serious run in the playoffs this year, something's got to give. Whether it be Nagy finally giving up the play calling, which I hate to keep beating the dead horse, but it's, that, that's got to happen. Or Pace finally upgrading the O-line. Something's got to give. Who, who cares? Put Mitch back in. Just, why not? He can make plays with his legs. It's, it might not be a good idea, but at this point, who cares? I even said that last week. I said that last week during the game. Put in Mitch. Who cares? Screw it. That's the attitude anymore. They were playing that bad. It's November now. It is November 1st. As crazy as it is, we're almost there. We're almost done with this year. We've got a month left. It's November 1st. Time to go full force to the end of the season. I picked Saints 17-13 today because I think it's going to be low scoring with the wind. That might even be too high a score. Saints, 17-13, but I could see the Bears stepping up and playing with a chip on their shoulder today. But who knows? They're not going to block anyway. Who who cares, you know? Hopefully next week I'm a little happier about the Bears because, like I said, I've been building this up for six days now. And if I didn't have to go open up the country club the next day, I'd have recorded an emergency podcast, which would have been even more fiery than this was. But it's it's a fun time in Chicago sports. I didn't even get to the NFL draft stuff I want to talk to because I was going to make a case for Sam Ellinger to come to the Bears, but I'll save that for next week. I would suggest watching highlights of the Texas game yesterday, Texas-Oklahoma State, watch some highlights of that, watch Sam Ellinger play football. That's going to be on the docket for next week. I talked about him before, now I'm going to make a case for the Bears to take him mid-draft. But I'm running low on time, so I can't do that right now. So I told you there were only two topics to talk about this week, with Tony LaRusso and the Chicago Bears, and I told you it'd take me the whole hour, and it did. <laughs> Finally got that off my shoulders, cause man, and the LaRusso stuff is fresh, cause it was just Thursday. And again, I've been talking to people all week, talking to fans and. They're either saying, I hate it, or they're saying what I'm saying, and it better work. But the consensus is this was not the best move. And I agree with that. It was not the best move. The best available guy went to the Tigers. And I say that as saying Tony La was not someone I consider, quote-unquote, available. Because he wasn't available. Just like when Robin Ventura took the job, Jerry Reinsdorf had to talk Tony La into taking the job. We know how it ended with Robin. Granted, Robin's nowhere near a Hall of Fame manager. But just saying, that's the history. That's where we're at. So again, 325 kickoff, Bears-Saints today at Soldier Field. Again, I'm picking Saints, 17, 13, 36 degrees, 25-mile-an-hour winds out of the Northwest. It's going to be a fun game to watch, fun football weather. The only thing that'd make it true football weather is if there was snow, but I don't want snow yet. Please hold off a little bit. Just... We're through Halloween, but give me a couple days. So I'm out of time. Thank you for indulging me in my rant. And hopefully next week I'm in a better mood and we'll have a lot more to talk about than just two things. But until then, I will see you next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And it's November now. We're almost there. And vote on Election Day. I'll see you next week.